What's up, guys? This is the Mr. Mike Agostino, and this is just a little announcement uh, before the podcast starts. Uh, special thank you to everyone that's stuck with this podcast and that listened during the coronavirus hiatus. Um, it was it was a lot of fun putting putting some of those episodes together, and then uh, my work, uh, my personal, or I should say, my work really took over, and I've been unable to record some podcasts for a while now. My makeshift studio has had to be converted into a makeshift office for work purposes. Um, therefore, uh, this the majority of this episode was recorded remotely on a cell phone with a with a low quality headset uh, I do apologize for the muffled sound the sound quality is not the same that you would come to expect from Mr. Benfica but I hope you enjoy the show What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 60 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, coming to you from the United States of America here on the East Coast to everybody out there around the world, all of the Benficistas throughout the world, um, bringing you this podcast in English once again. And it has been a while since you've heard from me. That's because the last episode, episode 59, dropped back all the way back on April the 16th, almost two months ago, um, when we watched the UEFA Cup final, leg two, where Benfica were were edged by Anderlecht and um, were unable to win the UEFA Cup that day at the old Stade de Luge. I had a lot of fun on that project. I had a lot of fun watching those videos and reading articles. But um, right around that time, my my work-life balance got flipped on its head. As um, most of you know, I have two jobs and I now have two incredibly busy jobs. I work in the warehouse all night loading trucks for delivery um, from about 12.30 a.m. or 1 a.m. until 9 a.m. And then I work my desk job from 11 to 7.30. It has been quite a grind going on two months of 80-hour work weeks. Very, very difficult, and that's why there haven't been many podcasts, or I should say there hasn't been any podcast put out in that time. But I am back here with you. It is late on June the 9th, and tonight we're reviewing round 25, Benfica versus Tondela, the reboot of the Liga Nage Portuguese League 2019-2020. Um... Benfica with a chance to go into first place in this one because we know already before the match kicked off that Porto had lost to Famalicão. However, Benfica squandered that opportunity and it was a frustrating turn of events. I'm going to try to, to 
to discuss this with you tonight, and I'm going to try to put that into perspective. And there's also quite a bit of news this week, as we have not had news in two months, really, on this or longer on this episode, as I have been skipping the news when doing the watch-alongs and the 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 classic rewinds. Um, right now, Benfica are about 18 hours or so away from taking on Portimonis. I wanted to get this episode dropped in time for you to hear this, in time for all the subscribers to get a listen before they go and watch the match with Portimonis on Wednesday. That match, of course, being played on the road. And um, one thing I want to say before we get into the review is I am already tired of hearing about this new football and this new lack of atmosphere and how it's it's more difficult well you know what it's the same atmosphere or lack thereof for everybody yes Benfica is used to having great support but you know what that also is added pressure and Benfica should have responded better to this empty stadium all right the problem is everyone told them they had an excuse and they listened all right so we really need to stop making such a big deal about this lack of fans. I know a lot of people feel that football without fans is not football, but honestly, football at its purest is 22 players playing each other, even if nobody else is there. That is the purest form of football. That's the football I grew up um, playing and watching in the park. That's the football I used to get on my bike to go see on Saturday and Sunday afternoons when I was a kid. I'd go watch the local amateur or the local ethnic leagues here in uh, here in Massachusetts where I'd watch Italians play against Ukrainians or watch Portuguese play against Polish in these matches. And there was hardly ever anyone there. Um, no doubt that is still football at its purest sense. So... I don't like that expression that football has no no soul without fans. It's a different form of football, but it is football. And um, I'm enjoying watching uh, without distraction, I guess. The cameras like to distract when there's people in the crowd. Um, it's a different look. It's not the most... Uh, it's not the most entertainment friendly. It's not the most. Um, it's not going to convert you know s- football haters into football supporters because it's lacking a lot of the things that people love. But at, at a pure form, in a pure sense, it is still football. It's eleven versus eleven in a ball on a regulation pitch. Okay, and the team with the most goals wins. Someone please remind Benfica. Players, coaches, uh, staff, president, that the team with the most goals after 90 minutes wins. All right, you can follow me at Twitter on Befica, Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Befica, or on Facebook by typing www.facebook.com. And also, uh, you can find some of my other stuff at mrbefica.com. Um, that's going to be getting a reboot in the near future. Uh, I'm going to be doing some stuff with that uh, going forward. Um, some things are in the works right now. There's some discussions going on as to how to improve MrBenfica.com. All right, sit tight. We're going to pay a bill real quick. Then we're going to have Reconquista. And on the other side of that, it is the news. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the host, Mike Agustino. And I will be right back with the news. Passo o caminho é duro 
a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos Do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa sorte O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de And in the news this week here on Mr. Benfica, there's a lot to go over, but I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. I'm going to try to run through it. It's been months since we've talked about the news here on Mr. Benfica. It's been months since the team has taken the pitch. Um, the only team taking the pitch, I should say. The only department in the club still operating right now is the men's football senior team. That's because all other activities have been cancelled for the season. That includes men's and women's basketball, men's and women's futsal, women's football, men's and women's roller hockey, etc. Everything has been cancelled. There are no champions in the other sports. There are no champions at, at the other levels of football in Portugal. The FPF deciding only the first division, the Liga Nage, would come back from the COVID-19 outbreak and decided that there would be a champion crowned. Uh, the Liga Nage has already uh, announced they're promoting Nacionaldo Madeira and Farense to the first division next season as the two teams were very far um, were very far ahead of the rest of the field in the second division. I should say this was announced by uh, the Liga, uh, the clubs, not necessarily the federation, um, as they will be promoting them and um, as a result of that promotion, the Federation has promoted Roca and Vizela from the Campeonato Nacional Seniors, the third level, to the second division for next season. Both of those decisions, though, are being disputed by various parties at this time. Um, there are various clubs at both the second division and the third division, or the, the CNS level, that are, uh, that are seeking... Um, seeking legal counsel and seeking lawsuits to prevent those promotions and subsequent 
relegations uh, without the matches being played out. So that's something to, to watch for the rest of the summer. Like I said, women's football shut down. Unfortunately, there will be no champion this year in women's football. But I think, of course, we're leading the league, tied atop the table with Sporting. They were headed to the League Cup final, and they were in the semifinals of the Portuguese Cup in women's football. None of those matches and competitions will take place, unfortunately. But if you got does get the only women's football trophy of the season earlier this year in September in the Super Cup, defeating uh, defending champion Braga, who I guess gets to be defending champion for another season. And now basketball, like I said, is over. Uh, Benfica were in second place and really starting to show some promise, starting to pick up steam to head into the playoffs, but that there will be no playoffs. Um, no plans really in place for next season for any of these sports. And really no plan even for football right now as we talk about 2020-2021. We've heard nothing. A number of players have left Benfica in men's futsal, uh, notably uh, Bruno Cuello, the captain, and Cheguinha have both left the club and I'm sure more more of the names you recognize from the Modali that's for those of you that follow it are going to be rescinded due to the economic impact of this shutdown uh, before the match last week Tuesday to be exact Benfica president Luis Felipe Vieira LFV took to his own network took to BTV and aired a sit down interview with Elder Condut which to be honest, he said absolutely nothing that he hasn't been saying all along. This man, um, this man just continues to stay the course, and it, it's frustrating uh, to hear such a little ambition and such a little uh, football understanding from our president. Uh, he talked about Bruno Lage will be the manager for five years. That the decision is done. There will be no firing of the manager, regardless of the outcome of this season. And I'm not one that's really. Um, a supporter of, of of sacking managers all the time. I don't think that's always the step that needs to be taken. I don't think it's always the right step. Also, again, with the with the economic implications of this shutdown, Benfica do not want to spend the money to buy out the rest of Bruno Lage's contract. So for all the excitement, um, or should I say all the anticipation from many people looking for a new manager, um, I wouldn't count it. I wouldn't hold your breath. I think Bruno Lage, regardless of what happens here in the last nine matches, will be the manager for Benfica in 2020-2021. He also said here, Bruno Lage, I'm sorry, Luis Fieras stated yesterday to Avala that um, he would, when asked about if he's worried about the situation of the team at the moment, said he would only be worried, and this is in Portuguese, and I quote, Ficava preocupado se o Benfica tivesse salários em atraso, baixas o salários ou estivesse em layoff. He is stating he would only be worried had Benfica uh, failed to pay salaries, if they were behind, if they had had to lower salaries, or if they had to implement any layoffs. Fortunately, Benfica did not have to implement any of those measures during this COVID-19 shutdown, unlike most of our neighbors. And of course, the big news right now, it can't be avoided. We we're going to have to touch on it. Uh, following the nil-nil draw to Tondela that we're going to talk about in this episode, because a bus was vandalized uh, 
um, along the highway, I believe, en route back to the Seychelles campus. Uh, fans threw stones and bricks at the Befica bus, and Julian Weigel and and Zivkovic were both injured in the in the attack. Zivkovic is seeming to have a, a worse injury as the two of them. Uh, tweeted a photo of themselves in the in the hospital emergency room. Weigel, or Weigel, I should say, I think had more of a, a psychological uh, situation. He was evaluated psychologically for the trauma. Remember, of course, Weigel was on the bench, uh, excuse me, on the bus, <laughs> I should say. He was on the bus with his, his former club, Borussia Dortmund, when Dortmund's bus was attacked also with... with um, with fireworks and explosives, and uh, he he, it took him a while to overcome that trauma. So he is being observed and he's being monitored for uh, the trauma related to this attack. Zivkovic, on the other hand, uh, he he ended up with some physical injuries. He's back to full training now. So hopefully this is this isn't going to repeat itself because this is an incredibly embarrassing thing for Benfica. Very embarrassing to be a supporter of this club right now when your own fans, whether it was our fans or not, I should say, not even fans, when people are throwing throwing stones and bricks at buses and it's a really stupid move. Had, had that that brick been misthrown and gone through the driver's uh, side or the driver's windshield and and had it hit the driver or or stunned the driver in any way uh that would have compromised the healthy the, sorry would have compromised the health of all of the players aboard that bus and of course later in the night or I should say around the same time vandals did attack the homes of brutalized Pizzi, Rafa and Grimaldo with graffiti and threats um, whoever did it did sign the NN at the bottom of the message in, inside the circle of course the logo for the no name boys now that to me does not mean anything anybody can can spray paint two ends and circle them and make it look like somebody else made the attack so we need to let the legal system and the the police do their job as um, we wait to see what happens when they do get to the bottom of it. But it is a very, very uh, embarrassing moment for Benfica. And this was a very embarrassing return to football for Portuguese football. Remember, on last Wednesday, Porto versus Famalicão, we ran into the situation where... Um, a clear penalty was not called on Pep. There was also a clear penalty that should have been called against Famalicão as well uh, later in the match. So the referee missed both penalty kicks. But the one on Pep was was extremely ridiculous as he, he the Spanish paper AS noted that he looks like a looks like a shell of himself and that. Uh, they used another adjective for him, basically calling him a clown and that it's time for him to, to move on. Uh, very embarrassing when this league finally has some of the exposure in Europe and around the world. You're never going to have more eyes on the Portuguese league than you're going to have right now with, with the majority of the leagues shut down. And this is not a good look. Um, Naj has announced they have withdrawn their, or they will be withdrawing their sponsorship deal, or I should say they're not renewing their sponsorship deal with the league. So the Liga Naj will lose its, its name at the end of the season as the naming rights uh, will not be renewed by Liga, by Naj, I should say. And who can blame them? It's not a good look for them with everything that's going on in this league. Um, between violence, between 
you know, racial abuses that happened this season, between attacks on buses, between hanging dolls from viaducts, um, really bad publicity for Naj, and I think that is why they are pulling out of it. All right, let's go to the scores for match day 25, and I'm going to pull them up right now in just one minute, and I will read it to you. Going back last week, the round began on June the 3rd on Wednesday with Portimonense winning at home 1-0 over Gil Vicente. Of course, big victory for Family Cão at home 2-1 over league leaders Porto. Uh, at least league leaders at the time. Technically not the league leader right now, but in reality the league leader. And that is because, that is because the head-to-head tiebreaker only takes place once every team has played every team. So only at the end of the season does that take place. So for right now, Benfica's at top of the table on goal difference, but that's really um, not the case. They're not top of the table. Um, on June the 4th, the next day, we continue in the Madeira Island at the empty Stadio dos Barreiros. As you'll remember, uh, Maritimo's president made a very strong extra effort to keep the home games on the island. Also, Maritimo's president speaking up and basically blocking the the rule change to allow for five substitutions. And as it was not unanimous, unanimous, excuse me, it was not able to be implemented thanks to the president of Maritimo, which I'm sure he has his own reasons. Maritimo won one on the day on June 4th uh, at home with Vitoria Stubel, of course, Benfica nil-nil with Tondela, and Vitoria Guimarães hosting Sporting to a two-all draw in the first capital of Portugal, the Conquistadores take a, take a point and stay in the hunt for that final Europa League spot on June the 5th two more matches Santa Clara at home at their borrowed home at the Cidad Football winning 3-2 over the in the or I should say previously very inform Sporting Braga and later that day Desportivo das Aves nil Code City Blues or Bulenes Sad 2 June 6th Boa Vista nil Morenes 1 and on June the 7th, the final game of the round, the Rio Ave 2, Passage de Ferreira 3. So all of the top seven teams, only Fumley Cone picked up a victory uh, in the round. Fumley Cone is a bit on fire right now, and they're pushing for fourth and fifth place. All right, that's it for the news. I'm sure there's plenty that was left out, but there's only so much we can fit in the show. When we come back, we're going to start to break down this match from round 25, Benfica versus Tondela at the Stadio de Luz. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica episode 60. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. You can follow me at Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Facebook uh, by searching Mr. Benfica or going to www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And also don't forget to check out or visit Mr. Benfica.com. Let's not waste any more time. Let's get right into it. All right. We are at the empty Stadio de Luz, but with about 21,000 scarves in attendance. Um, 
It is June the 4th, as you know, and we're going to start with the starting lineups. First, for the visitors, Tondela, coached by the Spaniard Nacho Gonzalez. Portugal international Claudio Ramos is the goalkeeper, the four across the back. Marco Petkovic is the right back, Philippe Sampaio, and, and French-born Portuguese defender Johan Tavares are the central back pairing, while Philippe Fajeda is the left back. In midfield, we have on the right, former Benfica player Johnny Morillo. We have João Pedro T- partnering with Pepelu. And Richard is the left-sided midfielder with Ruben Fonseca and Ricardo Valente starting as the strikers in this match. For Benfica in there, 4-4-2. Customary, not much has changed. You know, Bruno Lage has had three months to look at the squad, but unfortunately, not much changes here. Um, Odie is the goalkeeper, as always, the Greek international between the pipes for Benfica. The right back returning to the league action is Andre Almeida. The center back pairing, there's a, a small change. Ruben Diaz now partnering with Jardel in this match, uh, as Ferro was dropped in the left side defensive player. The left side, the left back is the Spanish player, Alex Grimaldo. Midfield. Um, with four in midfield on the right side, as always, is Peasy. Ulian Weigel and Gabriel are the option for the pair in the center of midfield by Bruno Leij. And Rafa is on the left. Up front, we have Adele Terapt playing in behind my cousin Vinny, Carlos Vinicius. All right, let's get into the action. And it didn't start that great. Um... There were some things in this half, I think, that, that, you know, brought some concern. But right off the bat, you had a real golden opportunity. Maybe the best opportunity of the entire game comes in the second minute, when, or the first minute, I should say, when Rafa walks in on goal. The ball gets worked around. It ends up on the feet of Carlos Vinicius, who fakes the shot and plays Rafa in on a semi-breakaway. And the Portugal international attempts a left-footed shot, but it is saved by the outstretched leg of Claudio Ramos. And um, at this point, I was feeling okay. I thought I thought that was a good start. I thought Benfica were going to come out looking for something. But um, Benfica would have another chance here in the ninth minute. It would be Jardel this time. A header from the center of the box. It was close, but missed right on a corner kick. The ball had been delivered by Pizzi. Um Benfica's... If you got controlling the play, but that's a little bit by design, as Tondela look very look very uninterested in, in possessing themselves. Look very uninterested in going forward. They look like they want to close the passing lanes, hold their deep lines. All right, playing with a four four two today, not with a line of five, but they held deep lines and Benfica lacking creativity in my opinion, uh, lacking imagination to get in between those lines and to get any kind of offensive production. A lot of there were a lot of opportunities in this match. The stats will speak for themselves. However, many of these were not very good opportunities. Um and Benfica always lacking something in the final delivery. Um, it one of the problems that I'm that I saw in this in this uh, especially in this first half, okay, is that everyone's excited to see Terapt play as the supporting forward, okay. Um, Terapt 
is maybe the best passer of the ball we have in the squad. Very good dribbler. Needs that open space to operate in. Unfortunately, though, what happened is Terapt was only really receiving the ball with his back to goal, and he's a much better player and a much better uh, threat running at goal, facing goal, than he is facing his own end. Um, and watching through, it's a little bit of him not opening his body up correctly in order to turn when receiving, and a little bit of, of the players in midfield not delivering the right service to Tarap so that he can turn and go at goal more often. A lot of times he's being jammed with bad passes and with a man on his back unable to turn. He's forced to play the ball back and then it gets worked around a little bit and they would get the ball wide and what would happen all too predictably all afternoon is the ball would find its way to either Grimaldo or to Andre Almeida and then they whip in crosses to the lone striker when he's got four defenders around him. Uh, this is something that kept going on and on and on and on in this match and it was frustrating because it's as if there hadn't been a three month break in the action. It's as if this team had just played yesterday because they played exactly the same way they played three months ago when the league was suspended. Um, the selection of Jardel is an interesting one, but he played fine. Um, perhaps it's with all this time off and with all this specific training and all this personal training that, that, uh, that Jardel found his way back into the team. Remember now, Ferru struggling really, really badly at, at the, uh, at the point where the league was suspended, he was having bad game after bad game. Not so sure um, why he was not able to recover and find his way back into the team now three months later. But Bruno Lage went with with Jardel, and I think that was the right decision um, as he played fine. And, and it was not because of Jardel that Benfica did not score a goal uh, as there was a clean sheep kept, which is always good. Odie was not called into action pretty much at all, all, um, all match. He made one save that was, that was to some degree of difficulty, but, but all in all, he was a spectator. Uh, Rafa really non-existent in the, in the first half. Rafa and PZ, the outside players, very predictable again. And it, the way Benfica are trying to force crosses, Rafa doesn't do you any good playing against, you know, out on the left. Um, he was unable to create shot, shooting chances for himself. So then what happens is every time down pitch, you would get a, you would get another overlap from Grimaldo. It would be play after play after play. Grimaldo with the overlapping run, the ball goes to Grimaldo, he forces a cross. They got on the, on the end of a few of them, but for the most part, very easy to defend. And Tundelo were well prepared for this match. They studied Benfica well. And Benfica, in, in, uh, to, their, to their detriment, really did nothing to change their look. Um, you did have some good play in this first half from Ulian Weigel as uh, he was playing in that traditional number six role. And listen, not not many people like what they see from him, but you got to understand that um, no matter who plays in that position for the past three, four, five years, that has been how that position has played at Benfica. Regardless of the manager, regardless of the system, the, it's he's... It's a third central defender. That's that's what that player functions as. Weigel's passing was 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 pretty good in this match, and his long balls were good. He he hit some good diagonals. Um, 
he was he was growing in the matches. The match went on, and momentum was was beginning to accumulate. And this was this was for me Ulian Weigel's best match as a Benfica player. Uh, unfortunately, nothing to show for it because the ball would get you know he would get to his teammates and they would get to a certain point in the attack and then run into a yellow wall and really not one player with the with the creativity or the imagination to create something and to to put to put Tondela off balance and give Befica better chances at goal. Befica had chances but they didn't have good chances. They weren't very good chances. Um a couple saves from Claudio Ramos, but a lot of the shots were very much as we say in Portuguese a figura right at him. Um we did hit the bar a couple times in this match, but really, uh, the sour taste that's left after this match, I don't doubt that had one of these gone in, had had Rafa scored that goal right in the first minute, we could have easily scored three or four because it would have forced Tondela to open up, and we got a lot more chances. And those are the games that Befica does well on, where they score first and they continue to attack. Now, that, there hasn't been much of that this season, but when it does happen, that's where Benfica is at their best. And with every missed or squandered opportunity, the pressure seemed to increase, and Benfica were less and less composed in front of goal as the match went on. Um, regardless of the fact that they didn't have fans in the stadium, because had they had fans on the stadium, th- this crowd would have turned on this team a lot quicker, I think, with the, the, the very slow nature of play like, I know that the players have been away. There haven't been any matches. They had no no friendly matches to prepare for this. They had what was the equivalent of a layoff longer than they're used to between seasons. Okay, they had a layoff longer than what they're used to between seasons. And it's like going from one season to the next without any any training matches without any friendly matches except now you're coming into a 10 match season in which every match is a match you have to win all right Benfica knowing Porto lost the night before really failed to bring the emotion that I think this match called for and I don't want to hear people say that it's because you know there was no fans once you give professional athletes an excuse they will take it you give them a little you you, you give them an inch, they take the mile, a mile, as we say here in the United States, or just enough rope to hang themselves is also an expression. Because uh, that excuse seemed to be way too convenient, and the team lacked intensity. Now, like I said, I understand the fitness not being there, but the ball movement should be quick. The ball should be doing more of the movement. The players, um, you know are not fit enough to run hard for 90 minutes. No player in this league right now is at that level of fitness. It's impossible to hit that by yourself at home or even in the short, you know, reduced trainings or the reduced group trainings that the teams have been doing. There was really... um, I had no expectation of seeing a well-played match here, but I did expect... uh, Fire! I expected more fire. I expected urgency from Mefica, and it just didn't seem to come. And some of that is on the manager. He he's laid back, and I understand it. A lot of times, that is a a positive. But when the team is struggling, the way this one ha- is, and when after a three month layoff, this is the best effort that the players can put on the field. Some of that does reflect on the manager, either not selecting the correct squad or not motivating the squad properly, or um appropriately I should say and yes they're professionals they need to they need to have a much better professional performance than this they shouldn't 
they should not require someone to say something to to motivate them okay they've been on this they've been away from the game okay they've been locked up in their homes there should there should have been a hunger to play like never before in this match and it just wasn't there all right so we're going to take a quick break i'm going to come back and talk about the the second half a bit all right and then um We'll wrap it up after that. This is going to be a little bit of a shorter episode because, as you know, by the time you listen to this, you'll probably uh, be either moments away from Benfica's match on the road in round 27 at Portimones on Wednesday, or you'll have already seen it. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here, and on the other side, we're going to talk about the second half. back to episode 60 of Mr. Benfica. Alright, we're talking Benfica versus Tondela and now um, both teams here in the second half send out the same t- the same 11 for each team. So the same 22 players take the pitch here at the start of the second half that finished it. So it will kick off with with Tondela kicking off here, and uh, the second half gets going. And Befica slowly but surely, within the first five minutes or so, start to gain some momentum. They start to combine better, okay? The combination play is starting to work better, and I'm starting to like this combination here of, of Weigel, Gabriel, and and Tarapt in midfield um, as Tarapt is starting to work his way back uh, between the lines rather than playing so high right behind Carlos Vinicius. But you're starting to see more combination. The balls are still getting knocked wide. And, um, you know, between PZ and Almeida on the right side, between the two of them, I don't know how many bad crosses there were in this match. There were a whole ton of bad crosses. And... Um, Really, I'm really, really getting tired of seeing this team take the field and just launch 20 bad crosses a match. They're not even, they're not even directing the ball anywhere. They're just whipping them in, and it's almost always going right to where a defender is lined up. These defenses know what they're facing. All right, and again, Carlos Vinicius is pretty much alone in the box, and it makes absolutely no sense to be 
to be launching in crosses to one striker against four. And Vinicius is not that much of an aerial threat. He's not even really suited for that type of game. That's not the way I'd like. I want to see this team attack. There needs to be more combination play. Need to get Tarapt more involved. But if he could not get him involved at all in the first half, outside of a couple plays here and there, and then in the second half, um, at, they start to get him involved more, and he starts to distribute. Rafa starts to come inside a little bit more as well and starts to find some more space. He starts to get some shooting opportunities. But... Um, the shock comes, and you heard it there at the top of the segment. You heard the sound of the play-by-play -play when, surprisingly, Ulian Weigel is, is substituted off. And I really lost my mind at this moment because as I'm seeing the game, okay, and as I'm watching... Befica in that seven or eight minute span right before Vital is a subbed off. They are playing probably their best football of the match there. They're combining. Vital is finding his teammates. He's starting to find Tarapt. He's starting to find Gabriel. Okay, Gabriel far from match fit. It's been what, like six months since he's played? Um this substitution made zero sense to me in reality. It's the type of substitution you make when you're playing FIFA or you're playing football manager. All right. Um, it's the classic swap. And you heard, the, the, you heard them there on commentary saying classic swapping of a midfielder for a forward. But it's not what the game was calling for. Benfica were starting to, to operate better. They were starting to take more control deeper in, into Tonella's end of the pitch. Benfica's starting to create chances. And in fact, before he comes off, Vigel knocks a very nice 40 to 50 yard uh, diagonal ball right on point to Grimaldo's left foot in stride, okay? He tries to get the cross in. The cross gets cleared. And it is Weigel who makes about a 30-yard sprint and a sliding tackle to win the ball back for Mefica, playing it off of the Tundela player. I think it was I think it was João Pedro. I'm not sure. But I believe that's, if my memory serves me correct, it was João Pedro that um, Weigel tackled for the ball. Wins the throw in back. And then you see the look on his face as his number is called. And Brutalage here makes, to me, a bad substitution, okay? And I know a lot of you get mad that he doesn't substitute enough. This is a case where this match was not calling for a substitute at this point. Okay, um, He brings on Diego Souza, brings on a forward, removes the holding mid, and my biggest problem with this, besides the fact that Weigel was the, not the player that needs to come off at this moment, Weigel was doing his job exactly as, as, you know, exactly as you would expect him to, and he's the one circulating the ball, he's the one finding people's feet, and... Now you're dropping Gabriel, a player who I just said is not match fit. It was clear. This man should not be going 90 minutes. No, we drop, we drop Gabriel from his normal box-to-box -box midfield role because he's tired into a holding midfield role. And I know why. It's because he's got this idea about the long balls. And he, he drops Tarap to midfield, which that part of the equation I think was the right thing to do at that time because Tarap was not getting the service. He was not dangerous enough playing that far up the pitch. He needs to start from further back and have the attack in front of him. 
All right, so that part of it was fine, but the problem is you dropped Gabriel to a holding mid, and Bruno Lage said after the match that, that it was the obvious substitution to make because the two central defenders were holding it down so well that there was no need to put a player in that spot in that number six role, but he put Gabriel right in the same exact role. So I don't know what he's talking about. He even goes on to say that the team improved from there forward. To me, and I watching this live and watching it again, this is the moment Befica's rhythm and Befica's momentum is destroyed. Okay, they struggle for the next several chunks of minutes in that next phase of the match. They really struggle to get going. Um, they've lost the one that is that is really pulling the strings there. And you start getting a tired Gabriel who just starts launching long balls. And none of them were effective. They're all being won by defenders. Horrible substitution. I have to put this one on Bruno Lage. Okay. Um, this was an invention. Or he was just making a classic substitution again like you're playing a video game. Because what this did, this killed the whole dynamic of the team. This killed the whole structure uh, of the lineup. The system of play was broken. Bringing Diego Souza on is fine. I see why he went to two forwards because we're not getting anything out of Vinicius by himself. And you had to drop Terrapt. The substitution should have been Diego Souza for Gabriel. For me, Gabriel was gassed at this point. Gabriel not ready to play. Uh, this many minutes and you all know how high I am on Gabriel this is one of my favorite players I love what he brings to this team when fit okay he's a shell of that right now I thought that 55 minutes was more than enough for him in this one that's the substitution that should have made been made and also PZ completely disappeared from this match he, it's as if he wasn't even on the pitch okay all his crosses are blocked his passes are, are poorly made and i'm not trying to, to harp on the player again i said way way back after the last match we reviewed way way back three months ago i said the problem we have with pz is that pz is an average player that can for chunks of time play way above his ability and look like a real legitimate superstar Unfortunately, we're not getting that PZ right now. In fact, we're getting a little bit less than average version of PZ. But part of it is because his confidence is shot. Um, he made that ridiculous claim in the, in the press three months ago at the time that the league was, was suspended, that he was in the best form of his season. He had just missed penalty kicks in back-to-back -back matches. Okay, three. I believe he missed three penalty kicks in two matches when the when the the season was shut down and again he just plays all the time um another substitution that could have been made here that could have given Mefica a different look would have been to bring in Chervi put Chervi on the left sub out Gabriel I still say Gabriel is the player that needs to either Gabriel or PZ needed to be the players to come out at this point you could move Rafa either to the right or to play him in into that gap there between the midfield and the attack let let Tarapt find space and let Tarapt create space for Rafa to run into. And then Rafa from there can either shoot or distribute and give himself opportunities and his teammates opportunities. But that's not what happened. Instead, we just pull our holding mid and bring on a forward. And we didn't change anything about our, our look. We, we just shifted a couple pieces around. Instead of making one change with the substitution, we made two changes uh, or even three because... Rafa started to find himself way more inside, and it looked like we went to a 4-3-3 rather away from the 4-2-2 or a 
It's more of a 4-3-1-2. And Rafa plays that role very well in behind two forwards. But it just wasn't the night that, that anything was going to come of it. Diego Souza, of course, has the best chance of the second half when the co- a corner kick from from Pizzi, his outswinger, finds Diego Souza. He heads it on goal, but it is it is cleared off the line by the Tondela defender in the 65th. Tarap sees yellow for a bad foul. Tarap starting to tire out. Understandable. Again, it's been a long time since they've played. The legs aren't there. They did not pace themselves in this match. And what's happening is the players are not playing intelligently enough in my opinion, for um, the circumstances that they face. All right, they waste a lot of energy, I think, and they don't make, they just don't execute things well when they're tired. And, you know, it was a real frustrating second half because I really still say that the momentum of the of the match and the, the rhythm Befica were playing with was completely lost with that substitution. In the 70th, it will be Tondela going to the bench as Antonio Chevier comes on. Ricardo Valente comes off. It's a defensive player for an attacker. The exact opposite of what of what Bruno Lage did. And Bruno's, Bruno Lage's substitution of adding a forward and... Re- and taking out a midfielder also has a negative effect in that it just prompts the other team to slide in another defense-minded player and sit their lines even deeper and make it even more difficult for Befica to create any quality opportunities. We got another substitution in the 73rd minute, and at this point I lost my mind again because my first my first instinct was no. He's going to go to three as we see Seferovic ready to come in. Not, not the substitution I wanted to see here. Um, I thought that... I thought that... Bringing him in here changed nothing again, except you get a player that has a little bit more aerial ability, but he's he's... Less of a poacher, and you get you get Seferovic coming in for Vinicius. I don't like this change. Uh, again, I I told you just now the change I would have made here was it was time to bring on, it was time to bring on Chervi and take off Peasy. He didn't do that. All right, he could have done that with 15 minutes to play. He didn't do it. Okay, Rafa could have been moved to the right side, and then you can get crosses from Rafa. Rafa's maybe the best crosser on the team, along with Grimaldo. Um, and Grimaldo not having a good game in terms of crossing, in terms of, of just attack play. Um, and part of that is because Tondela sat so deep, and he's running into so much traffic. But, again, this was another substitution. For me, the manager got wrong. And he would... No, the next substitution now comes three minutes later in the 77th as, once again, Tondela counter their substitution with one of their own and another, another. it's a defender for a defender as Pete comes in to replace Felipe Ferreira and it's a more defense-minded defender coming in uh, versus the traditional outside wingback that is Felipe Ferreira. So Pete comes in and provides a more cover. Befica really get nothing going. They get a couple chances here, but 
nothing too dangerous and now what we'll do is we'll fast forward and we have one more substitution as Jota comes on for PZ finally at the 80 I think it was at the 82nd minute not enough time for the youngster to make a difference and here's the problem you bring him on with eight minutes to play and he's under the impression he has to do something so instead of you know playing playing rationally or playing you know a thoughtful a thoughtful shift it's short time he tries to do something you know he tries to do too much i should say and rafa or i should say jota had one of the better chances but again his left footed shot ended up nowhere near the goal and um it's tough for the kid he's not he's yet to be put in in a good situation by bruno Lage in the season and a half now or year and a half I should say almost a season and a half that he's been a part of this first this first team he's yet to really be put in in, in a situation to succeed he's always being brought in in desperate moments and he's a player that needs a lot more repetitions he gets very little playing time and then with the match on the line you're going to bring him on to do the to play in the right corner where PZ was playing okay and you have the same problem okay he can't same problem with PZ is he it's hard for him to set up his shot because his strong foot is not on the inside so he can't play as an inverted winger even though that's exactly what he lines up as and tries to play with Almeida overlapping him but the ball ends up on his weaker left foot he lost the ball several times as a result or he took bad shots um and, and you know the refer the, the time will tick away, and the lack of urgency never seemed to come out of these players. And you can have a listen here where the referee blows for full time. squandered two more points. Uh, they dropped two more points. One win for Benfica in the last nine in all competitions now. And this is a very, very frustrating time to be a Benfica fan because once again, another opportunity to go into first place and to take control of our own destiny squandered. Um, 
really this league should have been clinched already with all the points that Porto have dropped. Uh, Benfica should have, they should be six, seven points ahead at this point, but they're not because they continue to drop points um, in bad fashion. Okay, again, this wasn't the worst game they've played, but it wasn't enough. With ten matches to go to the end of the to the end of the season, you know, playing well doesn't mean anything right now. I think back to the match, you know, a couple of weeks ago, um, with the return of the Bundesliga. It was uh, we had the match between das the Das Klassiker. You had Dortmund hosting Bayern Munich, and yeah, everyone's raving about how well Dortmund played, and they they were the better team on the field. But guess what? They still lost. I see a lot of parallels between Dortmund and Benfica, except Dortmund play far better football. No, but but the mission of the club is the same. They both want to rely on young players and they want to promote from within. They don't want to spend money on on transfers when possible. Okay. Um, they try to play well. They outplay the opponent. Sure, whatever. But at the other end, you have Bayern Munich, and this is what I want Befica to be. Even when they're playing like crap, with the season on the line, and they haven't connected, you know, all match, that they can string together five passes in, in a small space of time, create a shot, and create the opportunity to put the goal in, to knock the ball into the goal, to score a goal that decides the match and ultimately decides the season. Bayern Munich are going to be champions of Germany because they made the most of the one opportunity they had against Dortmund in that match. Benfica here, an insane amount of of uh, shots. Uh, we'll hit this. We'll go over the stats in just a minute. But an insane amount of shots. They didn't play gr terrible. They didn't play great, but they didn't play terrible. But you know what? I don't care about that right now. Benfica needs to put the ball in the goal. I don't know what this team trains. At what do they practice when they train? To possess, to possess against a team that's not interested in having the ball, because that's 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 what happened here. They didn't. They created a lot of chances. They couldn't finish. That just isn't going to cut it. They need to be more effective. They need to be more efficient. If Benfica wants to win the league, and in my opinion, no team deserves to be league champion this year in the Liga Nash. I think had, had the league decided to shut down and not crown a champion, that would have been fair and deserved because neither one of these teams, neither Benfica nor Porto, deserve to be champions. Neither one of them are playing like champions. Neither one wants to take control of this league. Neither one wants to close it out. I mean, you get a golden opportunity where Porto dropped all three points to, to, to Famalico. You come in with the win, you take the lead in the league, and all you got to do is see out the rest of your results. Granted, Porto and Mifica both going to still drop a lot of points, I think, in these last nine matches. This isn't going to be like last season, where they run off streaks of wins, 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 wins. There's nothing right now to hint to that possibility. There's nothing right now that can make you believe that Mifica are now going to turn it around and go win nine matches straight and compete for this title. Because, you know what, that might not even be good enough, but I don't see it happening. I don't see Mifica winning nine. I don't see Porto winning nine. Mifica... Uh, Still has to go to to Famalicão. Benfica's got a tough match on Wednesday at at uh, Portimonense. All right, they've got Portimonense is fighting for survival. Okay, and Tondela has shown the blueprint as to 
to face Benfica, how to uh, approach them, how to organize your team. They're going to sit deep and they're going to do everything they can. They're going to hold on for dear life to try to get a precious point. Benfica are going to have to break them down. They're going to have to be more creative. And I'd like to see a little bit of a change in the dynamic of the team. I think he needs to use some different players. Um, it doesn't always have to be the same ones. But really, Bruno Lage is in he is in desperate need of a good performance from a management standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. He needs to coach a good match. He has not done that in a long time. And like I said, the president has guaranteed his job. And I'm not necessarily calling for removing him. I still want to see this guy grow into the manager that we thought he could be last year. But clearly... He didn't do enough home. Either didn't do enough homework in this three month absence that he's had, or this three month hiatus, or maybe he's just not seeing it. Because he's saying in, he's saying in the press all the time that the team's done fine and that things uh, things you know uh, were planned correctly. It just didn't work out. Whatever you want to say, he wants to say they're unlucky. And I really am starting to question what match he's watching, or is he being truthful? Is he being honest with himself and with the press and with his players? The president gave the players a tongue lashing after this match. Ironically, after two players had been, you know, assaulted with with stone from inside the bus um, by fans, the president saw that as a good time to try to lay down the hammer. He's makes the president makes a lot of valid points in that rant. The club has given them everything they need to succeed. No, the club has not put the best possible team on the pitch. Not at all. They have failed in transfers. They have, they're not willing to spend enough money. Um, it seems like every purchase they make is with the intention of a resale, whether it's Vigel, whether it's Pedrinho, who we won't see until next season, whenever that is. Whether it's RDT. The idea was to is when they go into the market seems to be to get players that have resale value. What this team needs is leaders. Once again, Andreas Samaris exiled from this team. One of the true leaders, one of the true characters of this team. One of the building blocks. Not even called because Bruno Lage has this rule where holding you don't bring more than one one midfielder <laughs> to a match. Has something happened to Weigel? I guess his idea is to bring bring Gabriel into that spot. And I hate seeing Gabriel in that spot. That's the last place I want to see him play. He cannot play his game in that spot. And now he doesn't bring you any more than Vital does. In fact, he brings you less. And he doesn't even bring you what he normally brings you in his normal, more traditional number eight, more box-to-box role. If he's not fit to do his job, he shouldn't be on the pitch taking someone else's. Who was doing their job in this case? If it's not Vital, you've got Samadish, you've got Florentino. Why is Florentino, like, in exile as well? Milan fancy the kid. We hear today that, that Real Madrid fancy him, but he's not good enough to play for, for Benfica? He's not good enough to be an option off of the bench? 
What if Benfica were winning this match and something happened to Weigel in an injury? You're going to play an attacking mid in the holding mid role? You're going to bring in a central defender and put him there? I don't like right now what Bruno Lage is doing. And maybe this is the most critical I've been of him since he's joined the team. Or maybe there's something there that we don't know about. Maybe his hand is being forced somehow. I've always been suspicious because you do not just learn, you do not just forget how to manage from one season to the next. Okay, last year I think he was given complete autonomy and complete freedom, and he made changes when they needed to be made, and he inserted players at the right time. He was thinking outside the box. This year, he just goes back to the same thing over and over and over and over. No matter how many times it doesn't work, he just goes to the same plan. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. That's how the cliche goes, something along those lines. That's what I'm seeing from Bruno Lage. And I'm wondering, why are, you know, who's in his ear? Where's Nelson Verissimo? Johnny the Conceição? Pietra, where are these these assistant coaches? Are they offering any feedback? Are they being shut out of feedback? Or is someone else calling the shots? Is the starting 11 based on transfer value? Or is it based on what the match calls for and the characteristics that you need for the players that are going to play that match? Let's hear from Adelta Rapt in the post-game press conference right here. Here, or I should say in the flash interview with Luís Costa Branco. This is Adelta Rapt. Vai a Delta Rapt para as primeiras declarações do lado do Benfica, que sofreu aqui o quarto empate consecutivo, sendo que na Liga é o terceiro consecutivo depois do Mureirense, Vitória de Setúbal, agora o Tondela. Vamos, Luís Costa Branco. Adelta Rapt. Ai, Adel, what was the, the, the main difficulty today in the game? Oh, I think uh, we entered uh, well to the, the match. And I think if we score the uh, first half, first 20-30 minutes, it's a completely different game. Difficult, 10 behind the ball, and we push, 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 but the ball didn't want to enter, so we are disappointed with the result. Lots of uh, opportunities to, to score yeah. To, today. Yeah, of course, we know if we score uh, the first 30 minutes, first half, it's a different game. And then after, they, they, they believe, they all defend, and it was difficult, but we are disappointed, but we have to keep going. Nine more games, and... Uh, we will call it all. How it was to play in uh, an empty stadium? Yeah, of course, we miss our fans, that's for sure. But, like I said, it's not an excuse, but let's go. Nine games and uh, we will give all to be, to be a champion. Okay, thank you. So no translation needed there as Adele Tarapt speaks to BTV in English. And those were his, his uh, thoughts at the end of the match. Um, and he's, he, he sums it up. They, you know, the ball wouldn't go in. There's a little bit of that, but I still don't think that um, Bifika did enough to create enough opportunities. Yes, they didn't deserve to drop points because the simple fact that Tondela did not do much in this match. But then again, Tondela sat with, with two deep lines and they, they limited uh, Befica's quality opportunities. They didn't limit the opportunities per se, but they limited the real quality ones. Let's go to the goal point here and let's take a look at what we've got. As I pull it up here for you guys. Alright, so we'll start with the visitors. Tondela, this is the goal point ratings. An overall team average of a 5.02. The goalkeeper, Claudio Ramos, is 
4.1 in goal there. Um, Philippe Ferreira, the left back, 4.9. Johan Tavares, 4.9. Philippe, 4.7. And Petkovic is a 5.6 down the right. Um, the whole... We got Ricardo Valente, 4.0. Pepe Lu, a 5.3. João Pedro, a 5.6. And Johnny Morijo, a 4.7 for the Venezuelan down the right side. And uh, Richard was 4.3. Ruben Fonseca, 4.3. For their substitutions, Jonathan Toro, 5.6. And um, Xavier, 4.7. And Pite, 5.4. Benfica's 11, starting with Vlacodimos. Odi with a 5.2. Not much for him to do in this match. Benfica also an average rating of 6.39 in this match with 2.1 expected goals in this match. If you're not familiar with that with that statistic, the expected goals is the situations um, when you bring in the number of situations in which we have a chance to score, they should have scored 2.1 goals um, or you would expect them to score 2.1 goals in this match. It's a good statistic. Um, and it shows Benfica should have won this match. They squandered the points, and they le- now they're at the mercy again of looking for help from another team. Again, Odie, 5.2. Andre Almeida, 5.2. Not a good day for Andre Almeida as the right back. Ruben Diaz is the highest-rated player of the match, according to goal point with a 7.6. Jardel, a 7.0 in his return, and Grimaldo, a 7.2. Peasy with a 6.8. Weigel only given a 6.5, but remember, that takes minutes into account. He had a 6.5 after 54 minutes. So that was a good performance from Ulian Weigel. And I'm not the only one saying this. Listen to the other Befica podcasts out there. The Befica podcast. Listen to uh, Visão Vermelha, Befica FM. If you listen to the Befica Independent Rescaldo um, after the match, uh, Weigel was the best player on the team at the time he was subbed out. Most of us agree with that. Uh, Gabriel earning a 7.0. Rafa only a 6.0. Carlos Vinicius with a low 5.5 for himself. And Tarapt with a 6.5. Substitutions, um, or substitutes I should say. Diego Souza with a 7.0. Maybe making a case that he may be the one that, that deserves to start the next match in Portimo in the Algarve. Seferovic off the bench with a 4.0. No rating for Jota. He didn't play long enough to earn a rating. We'll look at the statistics now. And we got shots. Befica winning that battle. Running away. 26 shots to 4. With 5 of those shots on goal. Again, that's where you get the expected goal of at least 2.1 goals. At the very minimum, they should have had one. They should have won this game. Here's another alarming stat that just... um. That just tells you how wasteful Befica were in this match. Uh, shots from inside the penalty area, 18 to 1 in favor of Befica. Um, that's a lot of shots from inside the area. Fortunately, a couple of them forced good saves, so most of them were not dangerous. They were right at Claudio Ramos, or they were over or off target. Um, pass efficiency, Benfica 87% to Tondela's 75%. While in the vertical pass, the efficiency of the vertical pass, 74% for Benfica, 57% for Tondela. Uh, duels won, 70 duels for Benfica were won to 45 for Tondela. Benfica outworking Tondela in duels, but then again, that is to be expected. 
Tondela commits 13 fouls to Benfica's 11. And another red flag here. Another alarming stat. Benfica with 14 corner kicks in this match and nothing to show for it. Tondela with none. Benfica with 65% uh, possession versus the 35% of Tondela. Like we said, Ruben Diaz winning the uh, the highest rated or the man of the match um, from the goal point technology. And he had one shot off of the bar. He, he had four aerial duels winning three of them. He made three passes for a shot. He set up three shots, which is a good, a good average. A lot of those are his his now trademark uh, crosses, where he takes you know he takes the ball about ten yards or ten meters past midfield on the right side, and then fires a diagonal cross to the edge of the goal area, to the edge of the small box, where if you either do or don't get on the end of it. Um, Twelve. 12 progressive uh, correct passes, so 12 forward passes that were were connected. He attempted 7 long passes and connected on 5, and he recovered possession 9 times, giving him the top rating in this match. Again, a 7.6. Alright, let's go to the standings now. As uh, we begin to wrap it up here for this week. All right, we are in the Liga Nage, like we said, the Primera Liga. And the table looks like this. Remember that the head-to-head goal, the head-to-head tiebreaker only takes place after all the teams have played each other, after all teams have faced off. So Elder's Kundu, Elder Kundut's comment there that you heard at the end of the final whistle, though technically... Correct. Uh, I should say is technically incorrect, though in reality it is it is spot on. You've got Benfica and Porto, each with 60 points, both sides with 19 wins, three draws, and three defeats. Benfica ahead on goal difference with a 38 goal difference. Again, that only keeps them ahead until the season is complete. At that point, the head-to-head uh, tiebreaker takes precedent. Braga is third on 46 points. Sporting is. Th- is fourth on 43 points. Family Cone now with 43 as well as they won earlier today. And they have an extra match played. They've played 26 now. They have 43 points and they're in fifth. Vitoria Gimenez is sixth with 38. And Hiwav right behind them also with 38. But with seven less goals uh, in the goal difference. Eighth place is Morinus with 33 points. Santa Clara ninth, also on 33. Gilles is tenth with 30 points. And then we have three teams: Bovista, Vitoria Stubel, and Bolinas Sad, all on 29 points. Tondela 14th with 26. Maritimu 15th with 25. Passos Ferreira um, are. Just about, they're the they're the team above the relegation zone. The last team before the relegation zone, Pastor Fajeda with 25 as well. However, their goal difference of negative 15 to Maritimus negative 10 puts them down a spot. And our next opponents, Portimones, are 17th on 19 points. They're six points from safety right now. And Sportive de Zavis are bottom of the table, and it looks very unlikely that they're going to work their way out uh, with nine matches to play with 13 points they are 12 points from safety 
the top scorers really quickly. We have Vinicius top of the table with 15 goals. PZ second with 14. Fabio Abreu of Morenense with 10 as is Paulinho and Sandro Lima. Paulinho of Sporting Braga. Sandro Lima of Gil Vicente. Fabio Martins of Amalicão and his t- is, is six with nine. His teammate Antonio Martinez or Tony Martinez is seventh with eight. Mehid Taremi, Bruno Fernandes, and Alex Telge also with eight. And then we have four players, five players tied with seven goals. And um, that's where the goal scoring race is right now. Let's go to the next round of matches next week. All right, round 26, which, as I said, started today, June the 9th, with Gil Vicente losing at home to Family Count. Gil Vicente won. Family count three tomorrow, June 10th. Dia de Portugal, three matches on tap. Vitória Stubal at home at noon against Santa Clara, noon Portugal time, of course. Um, I'm sorry, no, that's noon my time. This is set to Eastern time here. Um, Portimones at 2 15 Eastern time here on the Eastern coast of the United States, 7 15 in Portugal. Portimones hosting Befica. And following that match is Porto hosting Maritimo on June the 11th. The next day we got Polinen Sad hosting Vitória Guimarães and Tondela hosting Desportivo das Aves on June the 12th. Two days from now on Thursday, Morenens hosts Riuav and Sporting hosts Passos de Ferreira before Braga and Boa Vista close out the round on Friday. All right. That is going to do it for this episode. I'll hope to be back with you this weekend to recap the Portimonense game. Um, a match Benfica have to win, but we have to keep our faith. Okay, We have to keep believing in this team. We can't give up on them now. Many are. They're, they're spraying. They're attacking the homes. They're attacking the bus. Um, there's a lot of desperation out there, but I'm glad to have football back one way or the other. And, um I'm glad to have Befica back, even if they don't play that well. But we're gonna we're gonna continue to push them through and try to get them across that finish line in first place. So until next week, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho signing off. Forza Befica, carrega Befica, damu 38. Have a good week, everybody.